Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome back to Bring Home Sandrine, a podcast covering the disappearance of Sandrine Jordan from Caboolture, Queensland, in July 2012. This is episode 12, Calling Brad. My name is Graham Crowley. Thanks very much for listening. The podcast has been created for a mature audience. There is discussion about suicide and death, and listener discretion is advised. The thoughts and opinions in the podcast are truly mine. I actually consider it a privilege to broadcast this story. Watching the Jordan family, their friends and supporters, with minimal investigative experience, come together and be a force to be reckoned with in their unending search for Sandrine is special. Christine, Lisa, Marnie, Di, Paula... Taz, Peter, Nikita, to name just a few. Blanketing suburbs with flyers and letterbox drops. Putting up billboards and having sausage sizzles to swap notes with anyone who would turn up. Trawling through social media accounts. Screenshotting comments and exchanges. I look back and see how far they have come. We are not there yet, but the tapestry they have woven... I can almost visualise Sandrine going about her daily life, interacting with family and friends, moving around Caboolture with a smile on her face, planning the next stage of her life and excitedly preparing to have her children join her. You will recall there were three amigos in Sandrine's life, Brad, Ian and John. All three men were eliminated by police as persons of interest in their investigation. This is what the investigating officer wrote about Brad to the Jordan family in 2013. As stated very early in the investigation, we had concerns with Brad's behaviour in the week leading up to Sandrine's disappearance, and as a result, I interviewed him for four hours on the 1st of August 2012. However... He had a solid alibi, which was backed up by family members, photographs and phone records. Apart from being a very unusual man, nothing suspicious was detected. In a later email, he wrote, The positive news is that a friend's statement has further confirmed Brad was not in Caboolture at the time of Sandrine's disappearance. We now have a firm location of Brad between 12 midday 13th of July 2012 through to at least 10pm 13th of July 2012, which matches up with his phone records, photographs at his birthday party, and also the statements of at least four other persons. We then have a fairly firm confirmation that he travelled straight to Kilcoy. There is not much time to make any detours. So that's settled. So why are we here? The Queensland Police Service 
concluded Sandrine committed suicide, even though her body was never found. And that caused a conundrum for Team Jordan. They did not, and do not, accept QPS verdict that Sandrine committed suicide. Team Jordan still feels Sandrine's disappearance was not properly investigated. It was left up to the family to conduct their own investigations. And they did, and are still doing just that. They do not believe it was a random abduction. It was someone known to Sandrine, perhaps trusted maybe, a true predator, a really dangerous individual. But they cannot keep picking away at the evidence until they are certain about who did and didn't see Sandrine on the day she went missing, Friday the 13th of July 2012, and the days before. They cannot keep picking away at the evidence until they are certain about who did and didn't speak with Sandrine on that fateful day and the days before. And that's where Brad fits in. Calling Brad. No one is blaming him. Team Jordan just want answers. He was Sandrine's long-time good friend. To my mind, that's a fair request. It seems to me Brad can help, but has always seemed reluctant to do so. And no one can understand why. When asked for details, he would say, Speak to the police. I've told them everything I know. I don't know anything else. Sandrine's disappearance has caused me so many problems. To me, he said, Speak to the family. I've told them everything. To the family, he said, I've spoken to Graham. Well, that's true. He had spoken to me. He told me he would not be recorded. We never spoke again. I called Brad. It went to Message Bank and I have not received a return call. Brad has blocked me on Facebook, so unfortunately I was not able to message him there. I messaged Brad on his mobile. Hi Brad, it's Graham from the podcast Bring Home Sandrine. I hope you are well. You are cordially invited to a phone interview with me to help bring home Sandrine. I understand you are reluctant to be recorded, but in fairness to the many interested parties in this case, it has to be that way. Sandrine's family has created a timeline for her movements leading up to her disappearance on Friday the 13th of July 2012. There are some gaps in that timeline only you can fill in. If you feel I'm putting you on the spot, I do not apologise for that. As her friend of more than eight years, I'm sure you'll be happy to do whatever you can to locate her. No one is blaming you for a disappearance. The family just want to bring home Sandrine. Alternatively, if you do not want to participate in an interview, I invite you to give me written comments to the questions raised in this episode of the podcast, episode 12. I can then read out your comments in a subsequent episode. I look forward to hearing from you. I'm sure you're excited to be able to assist Sandrine's family. Brad messaged me back. The one you refer to is a convicted drug felon, Peter Morgan. I have spoken to the family before and have explained myself to the police. Read their report. And then... Fair? 
it's unfair that I keep getting pulled into this and me and my family are made to suffer again and again. I explained this to you last time. You have no idea how much this has ruined my life. You don't even care. And later, I hope she has found more than anyone. So it looks like Brad won't be talking to me, but the offer stands. After listening to the episode, Brad may decide to call me or he may send me answers to the queries. Let's hope, anyway. Sandrine's daughter, Nikita, wrote to Brad. This is her story. I'll be adding comments along the way Brad has written over the years on social media. Hello, Brad. This is Nikita, and I live in Western Australia now. I was about nine or ten years old when we last spoke. I was 12 years old when my mum went missing. I really want her home where I can grieve for her properly and visit her regularly. And I know you are her very good friend and I need your help, Brad. I'm trying to understand her last days and there are so many gaps. I'm just asking you to be honest with me. I know Friday the 13th of July, the day she went missing, was your birthday. Hopefully you can use that as a point of reference in the event you need help with your memory. The family has created a timeline of her final week, days and hours, as well as listing everyone who had contact with mum. I suspect there are also inaccuracies on the timeline and with your help we can eliminate them. There is no place in the timeline for rumour and gossip. Facts only, please. For instance, there is a comment that immediately after Sandrine went missing, you deleted all photographs of her from your Facebook page. To be honest, when I read that, I felt hurt. I am just wondering why you would do that, and if it was true, of course. And one friend complained that when they asked you repeatedly for photographs of Sandrine to circulate as a missing person, in that urgent period after she went missing, you would not supply any. Not very helpful, Brad, and why wouldn't you? In the days leading up to her disappearance, I have read that you tried to persuade mum to join you in a double suicide. Is that true? Why would you do that? And when she didn't, you decided not to as well. So weird. Mum wrote that she was scared of some people and she was running away from them just before she went missing. Can you shed any light on who those people may have been and why she was running? Anything at all? This has been aired publicly before and you have never ever commented but no harm in asking, right? I have read it may have something to do with one of the other men in her life, but maybe you know something. Anything? I have read that you said you did not see mum at all on Friday the 13th of July 2012. Is that true? I have also read that you said you did not speak with mum on Friday the 13th of July 2012. Is that also true? I have also read that you said you were to take mum to the Buddhist retreat place near Nambour that afternoon. Is that true? I have also read on the timeline you said you were going to take mum to the drumming retreat at Kilcoy that afternoon. Is that true? People who are at the drumming retreat have written on the timeline 
that they were expecting someone to come with you, but you came alone. I'm so confused. So many questions. I have watched a current affair television program where you told the report you did speak with mum on that Friday afternoon. Nah, I talked to her on the last day, but that's it. So you did speak with her on Friday the 13th? Your birthday? Brad, how was she? Was she happy? Was she upset? Was she distraught? Why did you deny saying that you had talked to her? That is critically important. Where did you speak with her? Where did she go after you spoke with her? Was anyone else present? Was something said that perhaps drove her to suicide? Was she afraid? Did she say where she was going or who she was with? And in the same television interview, you said you did have plans to meet up with mum and take her to the drum retreat that day. But then told the reporter you didn't see her that day. What changed your mind? Did you just stand her up or did you tell her that you would not be picking her up? Important details, right? Maybe she went looking for you. I see on the timeline you wrote your movements for Friday the 13th of July 2012 as... I was at Mum's online in the morning, had a birthday party that night, and then went to Kilcoy. Twelve months later, a couple told police you were at their place in the afternoon of Friday the 13th until about 4.30pm. Why didn't you tell the police straight up about that? Were you covering for them? That just causes huge confusion. I saw your timeline then became... I was at Mum's Online in the morning. I went over to Daz's place all afternoon and at Mum's Online in the evening. Another entry on the timeline records... And I was at Mum's all morning the day she went missing. At Daz's place all Arvo and at Kilcoy all weekend after. My auntie wrote that you told her you were at Kilcoy all day. Elsewhere, you wrote... I never said I was up at Kilcoy all day. I said I went up Friday night. I was at Daz's place all afternoon and at Mum's online in the morning. A screenshot showed you logging off at 7.15pm near Brisbane. Didn't you say that you were at your mother's then? That has been since deleted, which doesn't help. Another screenshot shows you saying you were logging off at 9pm. That has too been deleted. Which one is true? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Another favour please, Brad. Can you send me your police statements? It is recorded on the timeline you wrote this on the 27th of July, 2012. I have talked to the police four times. Five, actually. I know nothing. Has anyone talked to Ian? I have no number for him. Elsewhere on the timeline is recorded that the first and only time you were interviewed by police was the 1st of August 2012, nearly a week after the above comment about speaking to the police for, no, five times, three weeks after mum went missing. There may be things in your other statements that will help us. I do know that you spoke with the police 18 months after that and the police reported your version had not changed from the original version whatever that was. But it must have changed because you had not told them about being at Daz's place in the afternoon until they had contacted you. In an exchange with your friend Peter on the Thursday, 19th of July 2012, a week after Mum went missing, you wrote that you last spoke to Mum on the Tuesday or Wednesday before she went missing. That would have been on the 10th or the 11th of July, only two or so days before she went missing. Mum's friend Peter said she believes you were with Sandrine on that occasion. You understand how important all this is, right? So we can pin down her movements and who she was with. I saw that you told someone else you hadn't seen Mum since the middle of May, about two months before she went missing. Can you please try and remember where you saw her and what that conversation was? And then, on the 1st of August, you told Peter you were at Mum and Dad's all day on Friday the 13th. Why didn't you say that you were at Daz's? Daz was never spoken to by the police. Should he be? Two people have written on the timeline that they spoke with you personally after Mum went missing. You told them both you had seen Mum on Friday the 13th at the front of the property, but then wouldn't say which property. Was that 123 Tomlinson Road? Can you please now tell me where and when you saw her on Friday the 13th? You do understand how important that is, right? We will then have confirmation that she was at a specific place at a specific time, which will improve our timeline immensely. So many questions, Brad. Will you please do me a favour and send me a photograph of the birthday cake you gave the police to prove that you were at your mother's celebrating your birthday on the Friday night? It may not seem like much to you, but it will add so much to the timeline. There was a photograph of a birthday cake apparently taken at your mother's place and placed on your Facebook page, right? But then later deleted. The photograph the police relied on to confirm you were at your mother's place for your birthday party. Someone took a screenshot. A copy of that birthday cake has been placed on the Missing Sandrine Facebook page. You will be able to view it there and no doubt refresh your memory. Was that the birthday cake your mother made for you and celebrated with you? And this is where more confusion has crept in. A number of people have written on the timeline that photograph was actually taken at Kilcoy after 12 o'clock midnight on the 13th of July so after your birthday, actually. The lady who made the cake has confirmed she made the cake and took it to Kilcoy expressly for your birthday. It was seen by a number of people. The timeline has you arriving at the drumming camp at 11.55pm. 
which surprised everyone because the drumming camp was in honour of your birthday and you arrived at 11.55pm. People said you usually arrived around mid-afternoon at camp. The first one there, waiting for the gates to open. Everyone was so surprised when you arrived so late. And further confusion. The cake made by your mother must have been very similar as this comment appeared on her Facebook page at 1.55am on the 14th of July 2012, about four hours after you celebrated your birthday with her. The comment was then later deleted, but someone took a screenshot. What about the birthday party we had with the chocolate cake and homemade chocolate ice cream? Also with Smarties, Little Flakes and Caramel Chocolate Bears. This time 44 years ago, Brad, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you've heard it all before. Hoping I can get to say it to you again for another 44 years. Love you very much, XX. I am sure this comment on the timeline is incorrect. Rumour and gossip. Someone wrote claiming the Facebook page where that comment appeared was a fake profile. Please help. In another Facebook comment, you wrote, Thank you, lovely. You just caught me before I logged off. Time stamped 7.33pm, 13 July 2012. And this is where it gets weird. There is another screenshot of a since-deleted message to the same Facebook friend. Thank you, lovely. You just caught me before I logged off. Time stamped 9.42pm, 13 July 2012. Identical messages to the same Facebook friend. One stamped at 7.33pm, one stamped at 9.42pm. And then there is another one. Heading off to Kilcoy for a few days. See you all on the flip side. Time stamped 9.15pm. 13 July 2012, near Brisbane. I listened to episode 8 of the podcast, Brad, where there were some exchanges between you and Peter on Friday the 13th. You said that you were very angry with mum on that day, your birthday. You said you were going to see her and get the truth. In fact, you told Peter and the current affair the same thing. Brad, be honest. You didn't see her on the 13th. And your anger got the better of you, did you? I just want mum home. And sorry to be a bother. You were chatting with a friend on Messenger between 12 midday and 12.06pm on your birthday when you were going to Kilcoy. But then there is a random reply at 9.07pm that you would be getting there about midnight. Weird, hey? But there is another screenshot of exactly the same conversations with the same friend, but in this screenshot, the conversations occurred between 11am and 11.06am. And your random reply in that screenshot was timed at 20.07pm, which of course is 8.07pm and not 9.07pm like the previous entry. My auntie showed me a message you sent her a year after Sandrine's disappearance. Hey, this is Brad. Just to let you know, I'm killing myself today, but I want you to know that I had nothing to do with Sandrine's disappearance. Okay? This is true. I hope you believe me. I love Sandrine. 
I was very upset when I saw that, Brad. Please do not commit suicide. It was so upsetting that not only had we lost mum, but then her dear friend was killing himself too. There is another entry in the timeline that has been troubling me, Brad. I'm sure it is a mistake and that there is an explanation for it. Two people said that you had admitted to them that you had lied to the police about your whereabouts on the day mum went missing. People have written that there is a gap of up to seven hours where your movements were not accounted for. Like I said, probably a mistake. This was said. I didn't tell the police exactly where I was at the time. If they had looked at my phone, they would have seen I was talking on the phone whilst I was driving and I didn't want to get in trouble. Seems like a silly excuse to me, but I guess it makes sense. You didn't want to get a police fine. But weren't you at your mother's place when mum went missing? So you wouldn't have been driving and on your phone anyway. Brad. I just want answers, okay? So we can find mum and bring her home. I have spoken to Graham. He is still willing to record your answers to my questions. Please call him. That's correct, Brad. More than happy to talk to you. Let's have your thoughts as to what happened to Sandrine and where and how we can find her. Over to you. Or, as I said, send me your answers and comments and I will gladly read them out, unedited, on the next episode. My email address is graham, G-R-A-E-M-E, 5353 at live.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon. I guess the timing of the next episode of Bring Home Sandrine will depend on Brad contacting me. Stay tuned. I have been shown a letter addressed to the Queensland State Coroner requesting a coronial inquest be held in the disappearance of Sandrine Jordan. Just to explain, the previous inquest into Sandrine's disappearance did not call any witnesses and essentially the coroner just accepted the police conclusion that Sandrine committed suicide. If a full inquest were to be held, there would be any number of people I would expect to be called to the witness stand who would have some hard questions to answer. And answer they must. There is no option to refuse to answer unless they invoke the an answer would incriminate me line, which says it all really. When a reply is received from the coroner, I shall let you know. By the way, everyone, There is a quarterly magazine here in the Morton region called Morton Life. It is next due out in December and will remain current until March. There is an article appearing in the forthcoming December edition in relation to Sandrine's disappearance. Hopefully that may jog some people's memories whose only recollection of the case was that it was a suicide. Look out for it. Please pass it around. National television station Channel 9 has a program called Under Investigation. I am pleased to report Under Investigation are doing a documentary on Sandrine's disappearance. Filming is complete and the story will broadcast in February 24, I am told. Keep a watch out for it. A television documentary is also planned to be broadcast in February 2024 on another one of my podcasts, Who Killed Leanne Holland? I'm just very pleased and excited that my work is being noticed. I'm also excited to announce my next podcast will be dropping shortly. The intro is already out there, wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you find it and follow it, you'll be advised when the first episode drops. The podcast is called Where is Bruce Shuler? Set in the remote Palmer Rivers goldfields west of Cooktown in far north Queensland. As it happens, gold prospector Bruce Shuler disappeared on 9 July 2012, four days before Sandrine disappeared. Just as Sandrine remains missing, unfortunately, Bruce Shuler also remains missing. And just like the Jordan family, Bruce's family is desperate for answers and just want him home. Wouldn't it be great if we could bring both Sandrine and Bruce home to their families? And it's sort of weird, but there were three amigos in Bruce Shuler's life also. I hope that's not an omen. The offenders in Bruce Shuler's case have been convicted of his murder, but refused to disclose the whereabouts of his remains. I am hoping the renewed publicity surrounding the case may elicit some new information that leads to the recovery of Bruce Shuler's remains and give his family some closure. That's it for calling Brad. If you follow the podcast, you will be advised when a new episode drops. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it for me. As well as making me look a better podcaster than I am, it does help others find and listen to the podcast. Please tell your family and friends to have a listen. The Facebook page is Missing Sandrine Jordan. You can message me privately on Facebook at Graham Crowley Podcast Investigations or email me at graham5353 at live.com. This podcast was made possible with the awesome assistance of the ACAST Creator Network. Music by RKVC and Janet G. You'll find all my contact details in the show notes at the end of the episode. Thanks again for listening.